Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Thank you very much for listening in to Second Captains at the Irish Times. This is show number one of four shows that we're putting out this week and every week, Murph. I know, I know. From the beef or salmon of the rural country wedding to the full carvery and cold plate selection, uh, it's a complete culture change. There's no doubt about it, Owen. Nice celebration last Thursday night at the Grand Social. It was, and uh, it was absolutely brilliant to actually meet the live crowd again because it, ha- it had been a while. Uh, and it, the reaction was absolutely amazing. The reaction for uh, tickets for the show was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so yeah, we did not we had a ball. We had an absolute ball. It was it's great nice to, to see you. Yeah, yeah, it was Ken, wasn't it? Give me a warm, whole... fuzzy feeling inside. Well, it was very certainly very warm. And <laughs> yeah, the, well, yeah. The thirty-seven degree heat of the room. I almost didn't know where I ended and the audience began. <laughs> Everything was the same temperature, so it was difficult to to know where those boundaries were. The crowd were in particularly sharp form that night. My taxi driver on the way here tonight was a lady from Malaysia. Yeah. And she said... <laughs> now, what that is, Murph, that is a guy who is just ready to jump in. He doesn't care yeah. what's about to be He's, said. He doesn't care if what he says makes any sense. What yeah. word is he reacting to? Taxi, driver, lady, Malaysia. My taxi driver on the way here tonight was a lady from Malaysia. Yeah. And she said... I think it's the combination of them kind of gave the slightest... Oh, basically, all that guy was doing, he was standing there like Benny Hill, effectively. (laughs) The Benny Hill theme tune uh, running around in his head, just waiting to honk his horn at the merest suggestion of anything from kind of the 1970s sitcom era of comedy. It's basically, the guy's uh, Are You Being Served... Uh, fan. Speaking of Malaysia, Ken, it seems Pat McQuaid has some friends over there who have proposed a rule change in the middle of the election which could allow him to be nominated by I'm losing track, Ken, but I think he's now a member of Thailand, the Thai Federation and the Moroccan Federation. Yeah, well, Pat McQuaid has transcended nationality. He started out Irish. He sort of toyed with Swiss nationality for a while. Swiss itself is being a very international He's still toying with that. He's seeing uh, how that all goes for him. In Morocco, the country of, of Casablanca, you know, where, where um, you know, I suppose people from all over Europe used to used mm. to wash up there, and indeed Africa, and uh, and Thailand. You know, um, it's uh, it's not surprising to me that these countries also want to have Pat McQuaid on, on their side. And it turns out that any of them, or rather two of them, 
which coincidentally is the number of new associations he seems to be a member of. Two of them can nominate him. Yeah, so what it was was the rules as we understood them stated that you had to be nominated by your by the association, the federation that you're a member of. Now, we know he wasn't nominated by the Irish Federation. He, We thought he was nominated by the Swiss Federation, but there's a legal challenge to that at the moment. So rather than worrying too much about that, <laughs> Pat or his friends have found a way to... And now, this still has to... This is a proposal by the, the Malaysian, Malaysian Federation. Federation. They say, hey, why, why limit it to one? Why yeah. limit it to the Irish guys or the Swiss guys? Just let a couple of others nominate him. It'll be fine. That's, that's their real... The proposed real change the Malaysian Federation has put forward is that if two uh, federations from anywhere, you don't, it doesn't have to be your home one, nominate you, then you can, then you can run. Uh, so they've put it forward. It turns out that Pat McQuaid is a member of the Thai and Moroccan federations. So they could, they could uh, feasibly he's nominate a, him. Yeah, he's a man of the world. Really, you know, I mean, he's long since, he's, he's like sort of our great Irish writers of the past, really, yeah. in a lot of ways, in that, you know, Irish, he, he is Irish by birth, but he is a man of the world. We're talking to two more men of the world, Nicky English and Derek Ling, on Hurling in just a couple of minutes time, coming up later in the show, Michael Mee and Murph Galway's yeah. talismanic forward, who scored a hell of a goal at the weekend. But unbelievable, like on the David Louise. I mean, I know I showed it to Ken on uh, on Monday morning when we made it into the office, and uh, you were pretty impressed, Ken. Yeah, he um, gave it a pretty pretty good whack, I have to say. Yeah. It seems to deflect in quite a strange way, though. It sort of hit hit the underside of the crossbar and then bounced sideways. Yeah, how did that happen? I can only presume that it was some murderous topspin or something that uh, managed to deflect it, because yeah, as you say, it hit the roof of the net and then managed to also hit. The side, side of the night, yeah. which is really quite something. Given that we are we are at this point at the end of July, early August, we're going to throw in another GAA piece for you. Cavan football is going to be the centre of attention, Murph. They're fairly mad for it there in Cavan, and they there are rumblings that they think they might be able. They're not saying it too loudly. They might be able to topple Kerry this weekend, which would add another layer of intrigue to the summer. Yeah, and uh, really, if you're at Crow Park on uh, Saturday, you know. If it wasn't for the Cavan fans turning out in such outrageous numbers, you would have been looking at a crowd probably south of 20,000 people. So, uh, yeah, they, when they're on a roll, they really like to get in a roll. We'll speak to two members of their Ulster title-winning team from 1997. They ended up playing Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final that year. And we're going to speak to Conor McGregor on the show. This man is a Dubliner who's well on the way to becoming... Ireland's first superstar in the UFC. So we'll chat to him a little bit. He's, he's an interesting character. He's certainly different from your average sportsman, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I got a chance to chat to him earlier on, so we'll play that for you also. But we're going to start by talking a bit about the hurling after I tell you a little bit more, because I, I might have glossed over too much at this stage. Second Captain's Football will be making its debut later today as one of our four shows this week. And this is for the show, Ian, man. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm, walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I managed to stay alive for six and a half I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down Swanfield, and we'll see them up with. What you doing down here, you shawnee man? Ah, yes, it's the back clip. Now, that's going to be later for you today. We'll have that at around 6 o'clock, and that's assuming you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, looking forward to that, Ken. But first of all, the hurling for now. The similarities between Clare and Cork at the weekend were fairly striking. Two confident young teams beating more established sides in, certainly expected to be more established sides in the championship. They kind of look a bit similar in how they go about 
playing the game, Murph, running the legs off the opposition, but also being surprisingly physical at times. I certainly was impressed with how Cork put it up to Kilkenny. They're managed, though, in a totally different manner, Yeah, it's fair to say. Certainly this is what we hear. Maybe these things aren't as, as true as we tend to believe, but you would have it that Jimmy Barry Murphy... Old school, give the players a bit of confidence, don't get too tactical. David Fitzgerald, massively tactical, drilling the team. Some would say a little too much coaching of what is should be a natural sort of sport. Yeah, and uh, I think that the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of the two extremes. But yeah, as you say, I mean, Jimmy Barry Murphy, the idea of him uh, getting back in charge of Cork was, you know, that it would be a return to kind of old school we are Cork, that's nearly enough to succeed kind of uh, uh, attitude amongst the players. Whereas with Davy Fitz, obviously, uh, and particularly at the start of the Munster Championship this year, uh, Clare were being held up as this almost robotic team that could only play to the style of uh, hurling that, that Davy Fitz had, had tried to impose on the players. Now, truthfully, it can't happen in hurling that a, a team would play as robo- robotically as people were saying Clare were playing. And also... It, it would be ridiculous to say that uh, Cork have been training for six months with Jimmy Barry Murphy to just telling him to go out and hurl. So the truth is somewhere in between. But it's true that even among even as personalities, you probably couldn't find two more di- two more different people. Nicky English joins us, and Derek Ling is with us in studio. Derek, thanks very much for popping into us. First of all, are, are the styles similar? Have I got that a little bit wrong? Is it just two young teams enjoying the championship? Yeah, a bit, of, a bit of both, I think. Um, you'd have to say they're kind of playing to their strengths. Uh, as you said, they're a very youthful team. And um, the one thing um, I noticed was their fitness levels the other day. And This is Cork. Cork and Clare. Yeah, and Clare, even yeah. Yeah, particularly Clare, I think, in the second game, the way they were able to work the, the ball up the field was phenomenal at times. And it looks like Davies' tactics, um, he's kind of stuck with them from the, the word from day one. And um, you can see the improvement, the whole, particularly this year and every game they've played. Um, and they're really putting up big scores. So, has there been an element of refinement to it, though, uh, with from Clare's point of view that uh, they did ship a little bit of criticism uh, in the Munster Championship, and that they had they've changed it a little bit. They're going a little bit more direct, but that he's still remaining very true to the principle of hanging onto the ball as much as possible and being very careful in possession. I think so, and uh, they're always looking for the spare man. There's no kind of. As you said, the direct ball is kind of more from midfield and they're looking for the diagonal ball. Um, I know Daryl Honan got a couple of great balls into him on Sunday and they were always you know, aimed right across. A perfect ball for a forward. Very hard to defend for any defender, really. Mm. Um, when the ball is played at that, that kind of high, height and... Uh, and as well, you know, when you look at the Cork play, very similar, they're always... There was never any aimless balls played out of defence. They were always looking for the short pass. Even if they had to go backwards, they were confident enough to do that and start the attack over again. And we spoke last week that um, I saw Cork playing in Nolan Park this year and uh, I was impressed by the way they kind of they were able to hold onto the ball. And uh, the one thing you get with Cork, and they have that tradition and belief in themselves and what they're doing always. And uh, that's why I don't, you know... I, it was a shock on Sunday in one regard, but in one sense, you know, you could see that kind of performance coming from Cork, particularly after the Munster final. I felt there was more in them. Um, I don't think they were under- underestimated by Kilkenny, but um, they just had a, a freshness and an energy about them. And the same with Clare, very similar styles of play. So it's going to be interesting how they both fare out in the semi-finals because they're coming up against two kind of similar enough to Kilkenny in that they're physical teams and kind of play 15, orthodox 15 and 15. Now, I know Declan Hannan at times comes out and Anthony Daly can, can vary it around a little bit as well. He likes to kind of play full forward, maybe 
not at the edge of the square, but sometimes a roving full forward as well. So it's going to be interesting tactically how they all set up for the semi-finals. Yeah, and we'll come back to the debut Fitzgerald. But Nicky English, we spoke to you on one of the first weeks of this new show of ours about uh, Jimmy Barry Murphy. I think he'd got a little bit of stick at the time from Sean Ogo helping. And uh, he it was around the time we were talking about him. Uh, dropping one or two of the other legendary players. But at the time you said, listen, I wouldn't worry about it. He's never going to, his legacy wouldn't be affected one way or the other if he did, because he's got such hero status there if he didn't do well. And it turns out you're right. He's a total genius who can do no wrong there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now he, he, whatever little bit of pressure he was under, and I'm not sure there, was, there might have been some cribbing after the most of final, but I mean, Jimmy is really, he is, he, he, he can do anything he wants really in Cork. I mean, he is, he is the number one. And, uh, Whatever little bit of cribbing was was there after the Munster final, you know, and they had probably a legitimate excuse anyway. Horgan was sent off, but he didn't play. I agree with Derek. I was a little bit disappointed with him myself in the Munster final, but you know that that's all gone now. And uh, you know they they'll, um, they 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 could improve even they could improve more now. They they could become very dangerous now in my view because you know they'll go to Crow Park and and there's a certain you know there'll be a certain swagger in with, with them and. Uh, they, they, they'll be actually they'll be dangerous I think from here on How much of that swagger is coming from I guess the natural Cork confidence the confidence that you have being a Cork hurler that Derek talked a little bit about there and how much do you think is actually directly coming from the fact they're being managed by Jimmy Barry Murphy I, I think there, I think there's a bit of both because I think I think they're very much interrelated I mean Jimmy Barry Murphy is he would be you know he would be the embodiment of that swagger really from a Cork perspective you know he's 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 very popular all over the country. He's very well liked. He's a very nice character. Very very mild mannered, and uh, you know he's he's then extremely popular in Cork. And and then you know when you see Jim when Jimmy is at the helm immediately last year, the, the crowds started to come back for him, the Cork Hurling team, and they'd have massive support by the time they'd get to, to Crow Park, you know. And uh, so it's 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 a bit of both, but like it it you wouldn't you just couldn't underestimate the influence of Jimmy Barry Murphy on the younger players and. You know the the pop the hurling population in Cork. You, you, it would be uh, it would be wrong to assume that it wasn't that he wasn't a, a lot to do with what's going on. You know, regardless of his style of it, it looks very relaxed and uh, he looks you know mild mannered etc. But that, you know Jimmy is uh, he's done it all before and you don't you know he's he's won the other, they, they won in Ireland with a young team in '99 and you know it's not. It doesn't happen by chance, you know. It doesn't happen by chance, and it's not as though we were we're talking about a a county that had massive underage success to build on, really, compared to to some of the other counties around Ireland, Derek, which I guess makes Jimmy Barry Murphy's achievement all the more remarkable. He's moved on some legendary players, he's brought in some young guys, and they're all performing for him. Absolutely, and um, you know we were saying earlier on that they have been. They've been unlucky at underage at certain um, stages, monster finals, and that they've lost out to teams who have gone on and won all Ireland's. Um, you know, monster finals have gone to replays and whatnot, but yeah, you know, those players are after developing, and they've all, you know they've they've stuck to whatever um, Jimmy Barry, as Nicky said, has come in, and he he's a revered figure in Cork, and I suppose some of that can that brings a, a coolness and a kind of um, a confidence to the whole setup, and. Um, you know, you can't underestimate what that can do for a dressing room um, because he's your leader, you know. And yeah, I have to say, Derek, when he took over again, I did think ugh, you see it in sport, you see managers going back. It doesn't yeah. matter, legendary there, it doesn't always work out. But uh, again, I was completely wrong. Maybe this guy is a bit different, yeah. and it could just be the connection that he has with Cork, with Cork hurlers, even if they're too young to remember him playing, they might at least 
remember him managing the team to an All Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. And there is always that fear factor there. That look at uh, I don't know when you go back the second time around and it's kind of if you look at the football, like Kenny Dalglish coming back to Liverpool, it's he, he's kind of the same kind of an icon figure um, crossing over the uh, the sporting. But mm. uh, I think. It was a brave decision by him, and he obviously saw something in the players. You know, he's down at Cork. You're looking at club games, and um, he obviously saw something there, something that could be worked on. And you know, he's harnessed it. And you know, as I said, you know, they got to an All Ireland semi final last year as well. And to be in the, I suppose, no one really gave them a chance from the from the start of the year to get you know as All Ireland contenders. But as Nicky said, they are a really dangerous outfit now because the, the confidence they'll get from beating Kilkenny. And what that will do for them, and the fact that they're playing in two weeks, so the momentum is going to carry forward. Um, and there's talks today of uh, Brian Murphy being back in the frame as well. So, you know, they, it, they're they're probably slightly under, slightly still underdogs going into that game, but I'd give them a great chance now. What about Davy Fitzgerald, Nicky? Is he somewhat underrated as a manager? I don't know if that's a strange thing to ask, but given that he's on the verge of getting a second county into an All Ireland final, that would seem to me to be a fairly staggering achievement. Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, Davy's, Davy, you know, he, he's a fairly divisive figure, I suppose, really, or, you know, people are really big supporters of him or, or not, you know, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't really make himself the most popular by, by his, some of his antics on the sideline, really, but, you know, you can't argue with his record, and I said that earlier in the year, um, he's, uh, you know, he did very well with Watford, he's done very well with LIT, and now, you know, I mean, like, player are a manager can do no more I think than get the, the, the players playing at least to their potential and, and possibly even a little bit more if, if if you know he's a good manager. And you couldn't argue that of any of the teams that I've ever seen Davy Fitzgerald managing that they don't they don't actually play to their potential at least. And uh, you know he's he's smart, he's you know he he's he's a great knowledge of the game and you know even last Sunday, you know, it was I mean, everyone says, well, right, Joe, it's all about Joe Canning and Galway are all about Joe Canning. But, and if you can mark Joe Canning, then you can, you can possibly beat Galway. But to actually put someone in front of him and, and get, give Pat Donlan that job and bring Conor Ryan in out of nowhere, you know, there was that, that the Clare team was, I, I didn't hear any leaks of the Clare team anywhere. Now, I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't um, announce your team early on in the week. I don't, to me, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem to matter. Most of the, te- you know, the teams are really more worried about themselves than they are about the opposition. And, and that's if, if if you had your own guys right, then I don't think you have to worry about the, the opposition so much. But so I don't necessarily agree with with holding on to the team. But at the same time, you'd have to think you'd have to say that his tactics were were very good, and uh, that his record in ge- in in general with with Watford and with any of the teams he's been involved with has been very good over the years. And you know, regardless of it, I mean, he gets excited on the sideline, but, you know, I mean, that's, the players have to get used to that. There was a time earlier on in the year when, you know, he was sitting in the stand in the league and Louis Mulqueen was doing the side sideline job, but at the same time, you know, he has control and, uh, you know, you can't argue, you can't argue with, with either the style of play now, which I think has become a bit, has become more refined. They're not enslaved as much as they were to the short pass. They'll, they, they will, they, they try to hold on to the ball and, you know, in in the heyday of Kilkenny in the last couple of years, you'd been arguing that you know the short short play, short ball into the forwards wasn't as effective as the way Kilkenny were doing it. But when you look at it last Sunday, you'd say, well, maybe maybe the game has changed, and maybe Kilkenny and and Tipperary don't have the personnel to play that kind of a game. 
that they're they're trying to play anymore and uh, that holding on to the ball is is a, is, is a smart way of playing playing and, that, and that's what actually seems to be winning in 2013 Does Davies I mean uh, rather uh, you know larger than life personality do, do you think that does it insulate his team at all from the pressures of it all because I mean even just if you're looking at Galway and Clare last week Joe Canning was the face of the Galway team and you know, if you mention the Clare Hurling team to anyone, Davy Fitzgerald is the face of that team. I mean, do, do you think that that has any sort of an impact on a team as young as the the Clare team is? Yeah, I, I didn't think of it like that, Kieran. But maybe, yeah, maybe it does. Yeah, that's, you know, you you'd, you'd actually don't even know what the Clare team is until you, until you arrive onto the pitch, and so that's yeah. Whereas there's all the pressure is on what was on Joe Canning, and um, from a Galway perspective, maybe that's just the. The personnel on 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 the pitches as well, or on the pitch as well, from both sides, Kieran. So maybe there's a bit of that to it. But um, yeah, certainly, you know, that, like I, I think with Davy as well, he's not he, like they have about 20 players in Clare, which is, you know, maybe even more. You know, they're able to bring in Cahill McInerney, Fergal Lynch. You know, they have they they have they have a strong bench, and Davy's not afraid to use it either. And uh, you know, so just because you played last Sunday for Clare doesn't necessarily mean you'll be playing the All Ireland semi-final. So there's a fair there's, there's plenty of pressure on the squad, and there's I'd say there's, you know, they're 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 they are knuckled down to the test because they 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 know that really they're I won't say they're expendable, but that the, the players know that there there's plenty of pressure on them to perform. Yeah, the line of thinking that you're alluding to there, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure about it. In one way, the, the during the match on Sunday, at one stage he was giving out yards to the linesman, and the ref came over to try and calm him down. He's giving out yards to the ref. I don't see how that's really particularly productive for anybody. I don't know if players look over in the sideline and want to see their manager going down that road. Derek, what do you think? No, I suppose in my own experience, it was kind of uh, you know Brian is generally he's fairly cool on the line as well. It kind of um, doesn't really get involved too much with uh, linesman or whatever, but. It depends if you're winning during a game as well. And you're having arguments with guys. You kind of it can kind of drive you on, and you you don't seem to notice it. But if if there's a period in the game where just frustration is out in the pitch as well as on the line, well then it's kind of not a good thing. Mm. Um, it was you know it's fine. It's kind of it's kind of brushed under the carpet when you're winning and you go out and, and you get the uh, get a positive result. But you know if, if Clare had to lose the other day, maybe you would look back and say, well look, you shouldn't be kind of. You shouldn't be kind of messing going on the line, kind of wasting energy fighting with linesmen. But that's look at that's Davy's character, and that's you know he he wears his heart in his sleeve, and um, you know in one way it's great uh, for for the sport in that you know he does generate headlines himself, and um, and in a way look at he's he, he kind of as as you said it kind of insulates the car, or the clear team because he he kind of. A lot of uh, what they do well and what they do poorly is kind of aimed at Davy, really, in the aftermath. You know, so it's kind of how do you mean it's aimed at Davy? Well, is it if 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 they had a good, which they had a good win on Sunday, would say tactics-wise, um, everybody's kind of talking about how Davy. You know, he has the team set up really well and um, the work he's done in the past. Whereas, you know, maybe before if they had lost, um, it's kind of onto Davy too much into tactics, uh, maybe it could be yeah, to do with it. When it comes to, say, you know, overusing the short hand pass and all yeah. the rest, what you're actually talking about there is a player giving the ball away, you know, with a poor hand pass. But instead of someone saying, well, the guy didn't use the ball well there, it's like, well, you know, D- Davy Fitzgerald is telling him to go out there and hand pass that ball to a guy in, in possession and it's it's Davy's fault. It's so when, it, well. when the players are young players, maybe that's a good thing that they don't have to deal with... Yes, Too yeah, much. exactly. Because they are they are a young team, and um, you know they've had this success at under twenty one level. But sometimes it's hard to bridge, make that kind of bridge up to um, 
to senior level and you know you've seen in other counties players kind of fall by the wayside from minor under 21 they just can't seem to make that step up so he's he's done a really good job you'd have to say he's done a really good job so far and um, you know he has taken criticism um, over the last couple of years for different things but um, looking at it they're one of the form teams now uh, going into the last four and again their performance levels have been improving and um, you know it's going that's going to be that's going to be a cracking match. Yeah, we've talk, been talking about management. What about the master, Brian Cody? Nicky, would you like to see him stay on for another year? Um, look, sure, you, you, with the Kilkenny team that we've seen and Brian Cody over the last eight or nine years, you, you, you know, you'd like to see the great teams last and forever, but nothing lasts forever, really. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, Brian has had health problems this year. It's really, you know, it's it's really not about hurling. It's really going to be about, you know, how he feels. I I think ultimately, and whether he's, you know, he he's, he he came back this year. I suppose I don't. I mean, he was he had a, what I, what I heard was a relatively you know a fairly serious uh, operation, and you know he was back pretty quickly. So I think there's more there's more to it than just uh, there's more to it than just the whole hurling story, really. And you know whether the, whether it's the end of an era for a team or not. I think for Brian, you know, he's there a long time. He's there since he's there for fourteen years. It's, it's a, it's, it, you know, that's not an easy job. You know, he's living in the heart of Kilkenny. It's, uh, you know, they've had great success, but I mean, just it, 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 it brings its own pressures. And uh, fourteen years is a long time. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say it'll take a. He needs to. He needs to think for a while because I think he's he's been back very quickly into the into the fray this year. So maybe in October or November he'll feel a lot stronger and and. Uh, He'll be he'll be ready to go for another year because and and there'll be the next the next phase of the Kilkenny management I think is is going to be you know there's I think there's a, there's a bit of a rebuilding job going to come there so it's going to take energy and it's going to take you know a, a, a three maybe a two or three year program again to to get the team you know get them back up with you know younger players back in and uh, you know particularly up front they'll probably need a bit of rebuilding so I'd I'd, I'd like to see Brian staying on but I. I I, I don't know what, what ultimately how it's going to how it's going to turn out. Derek, would you like to see him stay on? Yeah, I would. Um, a lot depends again on on his his own health and how he feels. And it, every year he's always taken a few months to have a good think about it. And he kind of I think it's a kind of a natural. It just comes to him naturally whether he has the hunger for it or not. And that's the way he that's the way he goes about his um, his decisions every year. I think uh, looks goes to all the club games and look at it, it's. It's his life. He spends most of his time um, watching the village play. He's a passionate hurling man. Goes to a lot of club games, and um, so I think he'll just, as Nicky said, it's going to take energy for the next couple of years. I think, and uh, I think he'll have a, just have a look at it himself the next few months. He'll go to the club games and he'll have a good think about it, and ultimately decide then. With I'm sure with his family, but if the hunger is still there for Brian, well then I, I see no reason why he should go. I think. Um, it's you know what he's done in the past has been has been phenomenal and uh, still has huge respect there. Like Jimmy Barry, you talk about you know figures, icon figures, and he's one of those now in Kilkenny. So um, it's there for them. And I like the players. I, they need to go back to the clubs now and just kind of take a few months off. It's it's a it's a whole new setup for them this year. No hurling in August whatsoever. You know you have to go back to '96 for the last time to that, for that to happen. And in a way, it's going to it's going to bring a freshness to it as well and you know it'll buy players time as regards decisions for next year and you know brings a bit of clarity to them for their own decision as well because um, it's not something you're going to make in the next couple of weeks or anything like that and ultimately it comes down to hunger and how you're feeling at the end of the day and whether you think you can kind of drive on again 
All right, fair enough, Derek Ling. Thanks so much, Nicky English. Thanks very much for chatting. Thanks very much, Owen. Sounds like there's no certainty about it at the moment anyway, Murph, in terms of Cody in the post-match interview. <laughs> he, there wasn't much change being given by him. Mm. He was saying, I'll think about this for a long time. And as mentioned there by Nicky, there are health issues. It's not just about whether or not he wants to manage the team again. But Derek seems to think that if, if he's okay health-wise, there's no reason why he shouldn't do it again. Yeah, and I, maybe there's only one precedent that we can take in this, and that's maybe the Mick O'Dwyer team, uh, the Kerry team from 75 to 86, that everyone talks about. But of course, it wasn't Mick O'Dwyer wasn't manager between 1975 and 1986. He was actually manager up until the end of 1989. And he stayed with it and stayed with it probably long after that team had ceded superiority to Cork and Munster and people had just given up on that team. Uh and O'Dwyer stayed three years and probably at the time people were talking about how it would harm his legacy. In the end, it, it didn't harm anything. You no. know, at the end of the day... At the end of the Might day, have been a few annoyed Kerry fans for about six months. Yeah, but we, you know, we, when we think of that team, we think of unparalleled success and the, how it ended doesn't really matter. But with, with Cody, I think it's a little different in that the team has always changed. That 75 to 86 Kerry team, it was a block of players that remained there for, you know, a majority of that time. And they grew all together and grew too all together with Mikko. Uh, I think it's a little bit more complicated for Kilkenny now, but even health issues aside, because we're only speculating there, really, I think what what was interesting for me was after the Iron Final replay last year, I thought that maybe the, the manner of that victory might convince Cody to stay and ignore some of the signs of decline that have been evident over the last two years. Like if, if Joe Canny had missed that free underneath the Hogan stand in the drawn game, and Kilkenny had won with a terrible performance that Henry Shefflin had basically single-handedly dragged them over the line and won that game. I mean, I think the warning signs were so clear after that game that there were a lot of players maybe in decline and that the problems that we've seen this year to a much greater extent were obvious last year as well. I thought maybe Cody might have walked away after that, that first All-Ireland final. The fact that they went out and you know, hammered Galway in the replay maybe convinced him that there was, there was more All-Irelands to be won here. UFC is a sport that's exploded in popularity over the last 15 years or so worldwide and it's certainly to an extent in Ireland but there hasn't yet been a real superstar in in Ireland there may be now his name is Conor McGregor a young man from Crumlin originally he made his debut in UFC at the top level in April and a very impressive first round knockout of a man called Marcus Brimage got him the knockout of the Knight Award and it looks like he's almost an immediate star in this sport. Basically, he seems to be a favourite of Dana White, the UFC president. There are stories of White driving him around Las Vegas in his Ferrari to celebrate McGregor's birthday, all this kind of thing. But still only one fight into his UFC career. I don't know, it's a little, it's, you can be a bit uneasy about this sudden stardom and just at the point he's at at the moment. I wanted to talk to him about this and how he's handling it all so far. I caught up with Connor in Dublin today and I asked him first, has he changed much over the last few months since that impressive debut? Uh, no, I stay the same, you know. I just keep doing what I'm doing, keep showing up the gym, keep putting in my work. Try and keep away from everything that's going on. There is a lot of luck going on. There's a lot of people trying to get me to do this and do that, you know. I, I'm hired by the UFC. The UFC is my employer. What they say, I do. You know what I mean? Other than that, I don't do nothing else. Show up at the gym and train, and that's that, That's it, you know what I'm So you don't want your life to change. I'm just kind of wondering what the motivation is. Do you want to become famous do you want to become rich all those things fuck fame I don't uh, fame is not what motivates me you know what I mean money is what motivates me in competition self defence the love of self defence and the love of unarmed combat is what motivates me in the gym 
But what motivates me to compete is the money. You know what I mean? I, this is this is why I work my ass off. This is why I work harder. I work, you know what I mean? I, I work to get a better life. Of course, you know what I mean. But a better life to me. What what what, what does change mean? To me, change. You know, I get to eat eat in nice places. I get to wear nice clothes. I get to drive a nice car. I get to go on holidays. That to me is what that to me is what I'm after. You know what I mean? I want that. I want that for the rest of my life. You know, I'm like, I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. None of that. But when that happens. I want to be. I want to be secure. You know. I want to. I don't. I want to get fat and lazy, basically. You know, but when I retire, I want to become fat and lazy and rich. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that's so hard to ask. That's so much to ask. But I guess change. <laughs> I guess change could be being driven around by Dana White in the yeah, Las yeah, Vegas yeah, Strip yeah, yeah. In, a, in a Ferrari. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, it can't be. Are you in that situation thinking this is a bit surreal? Yeah, I felt a little bit drunk. <sighs> not, not. I wasn't drinking or nothing, but I felt a bit drunk while it was all going on. It was a it was a weird experience, all right. But look, I just went with it. You know what I mean? I wasn't gonna be just sitting there. I just said, "Fuck, I'm gonna go for it." And I start whipping out the camera, start taking a lot of pictures, that making that video, and all. And I was just having fun. You know what I mean? Living life out. Uh, twenty five years, just gone twenty five, and I'm cruising now on a strip with the fight king himself. You know what I mean? I'm a happy man. I'm living life. I'm living the dream. You know what I mean? So I'm happy. I'm honored that that I'm in this situation, yeah. and I'm not gonna take it for granted by going out and doing some shit you know what I mean I keep keep my keep my keep my focus and keep the right people around me that's actually something that's very interested in because we've seen it a lot in in fight sports over the years a lot in boxing certainly where promoters will be your friend as long as mm. you're doing something for them yeah. as long as you're making them mm. money but yeah. that's ultimately maybe something of a uh, a transient thing it moves yeah. on so do you have to take it with a pinch of salt just uh, just keep working keeping what you're doing yeah and make sure you don't get exploited in any way I mean the UFC is a bit different than boxing this is a completely different setup than boxing the UFC you know the UFC is a top quality promotion you know the, you, if you show up on, if you show up on shape fight with your heart you're gonna get looked after you will be paid you'll be paid well you know what I mean so it's up to you whether you wanna wanna do that you know what I mean so and I, regardless of going out with the boss and being on personal terms with the boss and driving around this Ferrari and having a bit of fun you know that makes no difference to me business is business we are friends you know but business is business and business is not personal if I show up out of shape and get beat then you can be cut you can lose your job you know so I, I don't get I'm looking for a word here but I don't get like overwhelmed by by, by these situations yeah. you know what I mean I don't get like oh, I know the boss now I'm in there you know that's not the case. You know that I've seen it happen before with people. They 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 become friends with the with the boss or whatever. They they've had one or two good performances and then it's it's maybe not a steady decline, but it is a steady decline. But most of them they stay the same. The level stays the same. They don't look to improve. They are the best. They are already there. I'm I'm ne there is no never end. It's never ending with me. You know I keep. I continue to train and continue to do my thing. Who are the people? You said that you have people around you who you trust. Who are those people? Is it family, friends? Uh, family, friends, my coach, my team in the gym, all my sparring partners. You know what I mean? We have a great vibe going on in Straight Blast Gym Ireland, our gym. We are all hungry, you know. We are all competing in all facets of martial arts, not just mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, uh, Thai boxing, boxing, all styles. So we've got a good vibe in the gym, and everyone just looks after each other. You know, you, if you if you're slacking off, it will be noticed. You know what I mean? So I have good people around me who keep me keep me on track. You know, I, I need to be kept on track sometimes. You know, because 
I can drift off, you know, if I don't have something lined up, if I, if I don't have competition lined up, I, I become, com I don't know, I just, it's different, you know, I need, I need that competition to be there constantly for me. So, I'm happy, these are the times in my life, you know, that I'm yeah. competing. And Did your parents take some convincing when you said to them, listen, I'm going to be in the UFC, I'm going to be a champion? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, you know, it was a tough, tough time. They weren't too happy about it, you know what I mean? They didn't know what the f*** was going on there, man. What cage fight? What's this? You fighting a cage? What the f*** that? But over time, like, like I said, they see the walk I put in, you know what I mean? And now they're the biggest fans. Really, yeah? Yeah, they really are. You know, I was in... The RTE crew was following me around in the documentary. They were in Vegas with me. They're coming to Boston. It's going to be a big documentary. But we were in the kitchen this morning with them and... My dad had a cup of coffee and was like, Anderson Silva will be proud of me. And Torrance and there was a Burger King on the cup of coffee, because on the cup, because Anderson Silva is sponsored by Burger King. Anderson Silva is the pound for pound former middleweight champion, one of the greatest of all time. But he knew that, he knew who his sponsor was, you know what I mean? I was like, how, how did you know who his sponsor was? Ah. He's becoming a big, big fan of it now, you know what I mean? So it's funny now to see it all, because yeah. you know, I, I did tell them, I, I fucking told them, you know what I mean? So. It's good to see now that now that they see that I was right. You you know you I mean? Yeah, yeah. You were doing a plumbing apprenticeship for mm -hmm. a year, or so could you have gone on? I mean, that's a normal life. What a lot of people call a normal yeah. life. Were you thinking? I, I just don't want to live this kind of life. Why not? No, though most know. people are happy with that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Most, and that's great. Plumbing is your passion. If your passion is to do something like that, well, then that's great. But I was just—it was just a—it was just a long, long day on a cold site. And I was looking around. I was, like I said, I was looking around at what's around me. I was looking at the fully qualified men, hobbling along, 60, 58 years old, jumping into a Toyota Yaris with a bad back. You know what I mean? I just—I know that sounds down wrong to be thinking like that. But that's the way I'm thinking, you know. I'm, I'm being honest with you, you know. Like, it wasn't for me. Sight life and that kind of work wasn't for me. I, I knew I was here to do something, to do something big, you know what I mean? I, I just packed it in. I didn't show up one day, and then my dad whooped my ass over it, you know what I mean, for a while. came in. I remember the first time he came in and volleyed, volleyed me out of bed. Literally volley, volleyed me out of the bed, you know what I mean, to try and get me to go to work. But I was... Um, I wasn't going, you know, I knew what I was set to do. It was a rough time back then, you know what I mean? So It's amazing self-belief, though, Connor, because you don't just go from that moment where your dad is kicking you out of bed to where you are now on the cusp of great things. Yeah. There's difficult times, earning 100%. very little money. How do you... I'd make a tennis stretch out for three weeks, you know what I mean? I mean, it was tough, of course, you know what I mean? But you were always convinced, clearly, I was always convinced, the right way. You know I, I was collecting the social welfare and all that, that that helped me out, you know, and it's funny because collecting the social welfare and then, you know, when I said I was, because that thing when I was on, on the post-fight press conference, because before, when you sign up the UFC, you don't get paid, you get paid when you compete, and my first fight, you know, anything can happen, if I lose, I'm gone, if I had lost that fight, I'm gone, first fight, yeah. no, there's no re reason to keep him around, you know. So, I was still on the social welfare up until a week before, and then I then I went off, you know. So anything could have happened after that. I could have I could have went into the social welfare and says I want to get off this. I'm gonna go see us there, and then I go and lose and get cut. 
then I need to get back on it. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm at the dribbling off there. I'm at the forgetting what I was saying. No, you were just saying that that's that there were tough times that it, you know that yeah, you, yeah, you were you were on the doll. You yeah. weren't earning much money, yeah, but yeah. you kept the I kept the belief. You know that helped me out, and it's funny because the system does work. In this case, the system worked. After I said that about it, well, at that post press conference, I said I was connecting to those wherever last week, and I was reading online people saying. I'm mooching off the system and doing this and that and I was saying well in one fight I paid back nearly double in ta- I paid in, in one contest in 67 seconds I paid back nearly double of what I took off the social welfare yeah you know what I mean so the system works they helped me out to build me up I got signed by the UFC bang paid back the tax you know what I mean so it, it, it's been tough times, you know what I mean? But we're only talking about a few months ago here as well. So is this in your head? Is this a big motivation that you don't want to go back to that? That you, you're always maybe one fight or two fights, two defeats away maybe from going back to that life? Is that something that you think of? I know you're never. a positive thinker. You're yeah, just looking never. at it the whole I time. Never really. yeah, yeah. I never think of that. You know, and I never even thought of that when I was in those situations. You know what I'm sorry for putting negative thoughts in no, your head. No, that's okay. <laughs> but when you're in those real situations, I just... like. Just Driving to the gym, I used to take my girlfriend's Peugeot 206, 1999. The thing used to shake down the road, smoke out the exhaust. Like that, driving the thing. And I'm thinking I'm in a BMW convertible M Sport fully decked out car. In my head, I'm literally visualizing myself in a proper big yoke, even though I'm in a little. He was out to 06, you know, and that, that was just the way I, 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 and that's just the way I thought, you know what I mean, and, but I was in, you know. Uh, You're already in Dana White's Ferrari. I was already outside. there, that's what I'm trying to say, you know, it sounds like I'm repeating myself over and over, they, I'm, I was already there, you know what I mean, like, uh, although times were tough, you know, they were crazy tough, you know what I mean, I got a little bit help me, my and dad helped me, you know, they don't make a lot of money either, you know what I mean, but, but they helped me out, when, you know what I mean, so. Yeah. I, I always felt like I was there, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. You're back in a couple of weeks. How are you feeling about things? Yeah, I feel good. I'm ready. I'm ready to go, you know. I'm, I'm emotionless in, in, to it, you know what I mean? I, I, this, is what, this is my job. This is what I'm paid to do, so I'm going to go out and earn my money. All right. Conor, we wish you well. Thanks for chatting. Man, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Conor McGregor there, who I was chatting to earlier today. I did say at the start of the show, he's a little bit different from your average sports interview. He's kind of difficult to work out in some ways but a very interesting guy and quite an engaging guy and it'd be interesting to see how well he goes in that sport and how high he can rise he certainly doesn't seem to worry himself about falling into any of the traps or the trappings surrounding the fame he's all about making a living for himself and ultimately for his family as he said there but uh, quite interestingly his his father didn't seem to be a massive supporter originally yeah. of his UFC career, his MMA career at the time. And I, I think it's kind of interesting because if you grow up in a, say, just a, a hurling household, you know, more than likely your mum and dad are going to be mad into it. If you're a, a young rugby player and decide, right, I want to make my living through rugby, there's a support network there of people who no doubt have helped you all the way along through sort of the underage grades. And so if you if you become a rugby player, it's probably on the back of eight or nine years of huge support from your parents. I think from the point of view of you being an MMA fighter in Ireland, there's a huge amount of, well, probably misinformation about the sport uh, out there in Ireland. And also there's, you know, no real idea. He's the first. So there's no real sort of professional pathway. Yeah. I mean, luckily, you don't know, people are um, different from their parents always, at least a little bit. 
So you don't have to do exactly what your parents... I mean, it reminds me actually what, what he's saying there. Of the, the, it's the same story in Zlatan Ibrahimovic's book where uh, he grew up in a house, well, between his father's and his mother's house, spending a lot of time with his father who listened to Balkan music, uh, drank beer, uh, didn't have any food in the fridge, and certainly would never have watched Zlatan play something as stupid as football, which is a complete waste of time. So uh, they got a kind of a big turning point in his autobiography comes the, the very first time that his father actually comes to see him play, you know. And uh, Zlatan is there, tears streaming down his face, scoring goal after goal, you know, thinking, oh, finally you've come to see me. And uh, obviously the father now is, you know, He's happy enough to have been into it his whole life. You know, he's obsessively following his career. He you now several several scrapbooks full of Satan stuff. But you know, it's good the way that people can uh, come together in unexpected ways. Aren't Connor McGregor is fighting again in Boston on August seventeenth. That's the night of August seventeenth. Early hours of August eighteenth. Before that, UFC one six three is coming from Rio this weekend. Uh, that's the early hours of Sunday morning. The reason I tell you this is that you can see it on Satanta. Satanta subscribers can see all of that action. Murphy mentioned at the start of the program that. Cabin brought quite an attendance to Croke Park at the mm. weekend. They're certainly getting quite excited about things. Monaghan, another of the Ulster uh, counties, getting quite excited. It's been an unbelievable um, couple of months for the border region, uh, Owen. Uh, it, it, because Monaghan obviously won their first Ulster title since 1988. Um, and we played you some commentary last week of the closing moments of the Ulster final. Yeah, Barry McGuigan appeared to be commentating. Barry McGuigan commentating on the, the, the Monaghan Ulster final victory. What we didn't know, and which we were subsequently informed by a listener last week, was that uh, there was some similarly amazing commentary of Monaghan winning the Ulster minor final just before the seniors had done it in, uh, in Clonus. So here's Sean McCaffrey and John O'Connor uh, on Northern Sound. Uh, Monaghan trailed Tyrone by a couple of points with only moments left in the Ulster uh, minor final. Monaghan hadn't won a minor title in years, and then all of a sudden, they get a chance at victory. Mickey Monaghan, Mickey Monaghan, the man picked up a yellow card now. There's another opportunity for Monaghan. Oh. Can they do it? It's juggling about. Hey, Corin, push it back. Penalty. Penalty. It's a penalty. Oh, it's a penalty. It is a penalty. It is a penalty for Monaghan. It's a penalty for Monaghan. It's a penalty for Monaghan. Can you believe it? We're going into injury time. Two points in it. 3-9 to 2-14. This is a penalty for Monaghan. A push on the back of Bergen Abe Curran. has the ball in his History hand. History could be made He's not here. anyone take this. 68 years of heartbreak could be put to bed with this kick. Fergal McMahon to give Monaghan a one-point lead. He's running up. It's in, in the back of the head. It's in the back of the head. Goal! Goal for Monaghan! It's 3-8 to 2-14. Can you believe it? A one-point lead for Monaghan. Two minutes remaining. John it's Fox vital. It's vital we win this next kick. It's out. So that was uh, the uh, commentator celebrating the, ca- the the kick out catch. There was just as excited as the the scoring of the penalty that eventually won Monaghan their uh, first minor title in many years. And I have to say, you know, you explain to people that maybe don't come from a GA background about the hilarious commentaries that we've played so far this year, and it's like. That's you know that's uh, a Limerick Munster senior final victory. I mean, people do care this much about it. Of course, when it's a minor final, it gets harder and harder really to to explain just how excited these people get. They care a lot in Cavan, though. This is what we want to talk about now. Uh, the uh, county with a great tradition, Gaelic football, Murph. People may yeah. or may not be aware. Yeah, they they won eighteen out of twenty uh, Ulster senior titles between nineteen thirty and nineteen forty nine. Won five All Ireland titles in that time as well, and ever since then. It's just basically uh, a county lying dormant waiting for, with a huge uh, support, waiting 
uh, for something to cheer about. I mean, I remember being at the the 2011 Under-21 final between Galway and Cavan, and Cavan brought an absolutely huge support to that game. And it was the curtain raiser to the National Hurling League final between Dublin and Kilkenny. And if Cavan hadn't been playing in the Under-21 final, there would have been basically no one at this game, including from Kilkenny or Dublin. And within 15 minutes of the Under-21 final... some issue with that, Murph, I was there. But anyway... If, uh, within about 15 minutes of the, the start of the Under-21 final... The game was over. Galway were like eight points to nail up or something. Yeah. And Galway were about to win All-Ireland. I should be happy. I actually felt sorry for these Cavan people because they cared about it, unfortunately, a lot more than we did. Vincent Cal and Ronan Carlin were on the last Cavan team to win an Ulster title, which was back in 1997. They ended up playing Kerry in the semi-final, the All-Ireland semi-final that year, playing them again this weekend. So a good time to chat about this. Ronan, can I ask you about that growing up? What Kieran talks about there, the history of the county by the time you were growing up and playing football, the success was gone. Was there a burden of history? Uh, I suppose to a degree there was, uh, Owen. We were, I suppose the, the main burden was the fact that we hadn't won another title for so long. It was 1969, and, and Finch and myself would have started roughly around the same time. We are both club mates. Uh, so we were acutely aware of it. be a strong history in our own club from people who would have been on All-Ireland winning teams. So... Um, yeah, you know, to a degree there was. We were fortunate that both of us started uh, under Eugene McGee, who was a very, you know, focused, uh, I suppose, to a degree ahead of his time type manager. So we got that protection uh, yeah. and we got, I suppose, very good direction early on in our career. Yeah, it's interesting, Fintan, because I would have thought that, that it can be difficult maybe when you've grown up in a county that's had success. You talk about, uh, Ronan there talks about some of the players who had played on those great teams. There's only so much you probably want to hear about that when you're a young player. You know, you didn't hear a whole lot about it until we managed to win something. Um, that's, that's the way I found it, you know. I mean, I came into a, a Cavan County senior setup as Ronan said, around at the same time, and that was about 87, 88, and we hadn't seen a first-round victory until 1995 under Martin McHugh. I mean, we just had a couple of drawn games. Uh, and now with the introduction of the back door, the guys that are currently playing this year have played collectively more championship games uh, in one year than we had probably for the first six, seven years of our, of, of our entire careers, you know. Roland, where did 1997 come from? Um, I suppose it came from a, a, a well of disappointment we had. Fintan and I, like Fintan would be uh, way older than myself now, but... Uh, <laughs> Fitzroy would be a year younger than myself and, and we would have been on another 21 team that got to an All-Ireland final in 1988. Now, unfortunately, I would have missed it through injury, which obviously leads to an extra little bit more drive. You know, there would have been two or three, two of us that actually missed the final, but that, uh, in culmination with with a number of more senior players to ourselves, uh, we had a very good under-21 team the previous year in, in, in 87 that was, uh, you know, just it fell at an Ulster semi-final level, but... I think it was it was from that with um, yes was marrying to a, a, an under twenty one team in ninety six I think it was uh, the Dermot McCabe's Peter Riley Larry Riley Jason Riley there's a whole swathe of players that came through then but it was the combination of those two teams plus a few others um, Martin McHugh came in I suppose at exactly the right time you know a very organised uh, very driven driven man who did an extremely good job with us um, and I suppose we were. We were ready to be directed in the right direction, and, and this was a great mix of, of youth and experience in the squad. What were the scenes like, Fintan, on Ulster final day? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I suppose, very recently, Monaghan 
there would have been a, a vaguely a, quite a similar gap actually between their Ulster titles. Nineteen sixty nine to nineteen ninety seven is a long gap. What were the scenes like when you beat Derry that day? Yeah, very similar actually. Uh, I watched it closely. Um, I watched Monaghan quite closely. The scenes down on the football field when we won it in '97 was of grown men uh, brought to tears. I mean, that's that's the way. I'm not talking about the players here. I'm talking about the supporters. Uh, Cavan have a fanatical uh, support base, uh, really, really, truly a fanatical support base, and it meant so much to, to to everybody. And we had been knocking on the door, you know, as Ronan said, McHugh came in '95. Uh, we went to the Ulster final, we made the semis in, in, in 96, and we broke through eventually in, in 97. And, and that's what you were greeted by, was literally, uh, you know, OK, the youngsters uh, were, were enjoying the day, but older men that had, had, uh, were, were kids when, when Cavan won a senior championship before. So uh, I'm sure Monaghan are just going some through a fantastic time at the moment and a well-deserved time. Um, Although being a Cavan man, you wouldn't be allowed to be to be heard saying that too, too often, you know. Uh, but it was just fantastic. It was it was just a brilliant time for us, and we were lucky, you know. I look back at the likes of um, myself and Ronan being on the team, um, but the, the likes of Jim Riley and the Derek McDonalds of this world, um, and dare I say, Ronan, far superior footballers to myself and yourself that played for thirteen, fourteen years and and didn't manage to get anything, you know. Um, in terms of awards or accolades like Ulster medals, you know, so I counted myself very lucky to be there. And uh, but on the day, ju- just fantastic scenes, you know. Ronan, I'm sure Finton will be too modest to talk about his goal in the All Ireland semi final against Kerry. Um, modest is not a word that comes to mind. With <laughs> I, I think obviously Finton has, has mellowed with age. Um, yeah, Finton's goal in in the All Ireland final was just fantastic. It was exactly what we needed. Um, I think fighting the living life at a carry uh, I suppose the unfortunate thing I suppose and us looking back as a team again I suppose Finton alluded to it there earlier um, it was the lack of success I suppose if there were a backdoor system in that time I, I firmly believe we'd have won the All-Ireland in 97 really, and yeah. we'd have gained and accrued greater experience over the, the previous number of years but while we had been in the Ulster final in 95 um I suppose through having that experience, we simply were not going to be beaten in 97. I suppose the team as a unit and the squad and the management just refused to be beaten that day. And it was a very close, tight, tight game. But I think even Derry will admit we were the better better team on the day. But, um, you know, when it came to the All-Ireland semi-final, um, you know, while Finton had a, a fantastic game, I suppose many of us could put our hands up and say, no, we were not at our best for whatever reason. Um, it, was a, it was a big ordeal. It was, as, as Finton uh, mentioned earlier, you know, the Cavan crowd are, are fanatical. Um, it was brand new to us. Uh, when we put the foot to the pedal in the middle of the second half, there was, there was a lack of that spark that had got us through Ulster. And, and you know, standing back many years later, it, it, it was understandable. We, we, to a degree, mentally had achieved what we had dreamt about, was winning an Ulster title. And, uh, similar to what Finton said earlier, you know, watching Monaghan there um, last Sunday week, um, it just, it, 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 to myself, it, it was certainly, it, it, it brought back memories of ourselves in 97. Finton, what happened after 97? Was it, did it disappear quickly enough? Was it just a case that you, it's hard to go back to the well? Did players get caught up in the hype or what happened? Um, yeah, well, on the day in 97, perhaps <coughs> the semi-final, there was a certain amount of the... Uh, getting caught up in the hype 
Um, but why didn't it happen the year after, or the year after that, or the year after that? Uh, I mean, it does take a huge amount of effort to win an Ulster, to 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 be there, to be to be doing it year in year out. And I think we are seeing that with Donny Gold. Um, you know, they're simply mentally mentally tired uh, and, and physically probably tired as well. Um, there was also a number of key players that were coming to the end of their career uh, with ourselves and that particular squad. Uh, Stephen King, Damien Riley, um, Bernard Morris, myself, Ronan. <clears throat> we weren't getting any younger. Um, I uh, didn't uh, bow out. I struggled on until I was told I was no longer needed. <laughs> Ronan and a couple of the lads decided to leave us at a better time. But um, you know what? It is hard to do it. We, we had done it for three years, and we really, really had worked hard for a three-year period to get through the Ulster final to win that because as Ronan said, that was, that was, that was our goal. Uh, whereas you take Kerry, on the other hand, when we met them in 97, I mean, they were hardly thinking about the, uh, the Munster final. They were thinking about a North Ireland final, you know, and, and that's, that's a huge difference. Um, whereas you take today's team, um, you know, most of those guys have won under-21 championships, um, Ulsters, Miners, and uh, the... They don't really appreciate the opposition, maybe in the same way, or respect them. Uh, we, we probably respected Kerry too much that particular day. What is going right at the moment, Ronan? Now you've been involved in underage and the three ulcers in a row at under twenty-one is brilliant. In, in some ways, the fact that they haven't actually won in All Ireland might that be good for the, these young players that there's still that burning hunger to do it at senior level. Yeah, there, there's an insatiable hunger, and among them, they're they're very disciplined. And I suppose if there's one word, they're very honest. A bunch of lads, and there's a swathe of them there. Um, I suppose we're getting to the stage at senior level where there are many fine young fellas on the panel who simply aren't seeing any action. And being in the background at, at under 21 level, there are there are quite a number of more that I could name that that will be you know will be senior players this time next year. So there there are more to come. Um, there, there's a very good structure, and there's a lot of people working at the coalface, you know, right throughout the underage structure in Cavan, and the, stru- the structure at the moment is particularly good. Now, it obviously, obviously can be improved, and it will be improved, but, you know, it's down to uh, what are very impressive, selfless, honest uh, young fellows who are, are given their absolute best, and, and it's, it's an absolute pe- pleasure to be involved with them at under-21 level because, um, you know, it, they, they have, you know, demonstrated everything that's good about by Cavan Fuppel at the moment. Any chance of an upset against Kerry, Ronan? Uh, I certainly would be quietly positive because I, I, I know the lads particularly well. They uh, will certainly not be afraid of Kerry. Uh, they'll use it as an opportunity to learn as much as they can. Um, and I certainly would be hopeful. Uh, obviously, we give uh, Kerry due respect, um, but I, I think we have nothing to fear. Fintan, what do you think? Yeah, I think this this bunch of lads, um, you know, while I suppose their their route to this particular stage in the championship, they, they have met teams, they haven't met any Kerrys, they haven't met, you know, any Dublins. Um, we are a Division Three team ourselves, and Monaghan are there, Monaghan are out now. Um, but I think Kerry, if and of course all the pundits would say that Kerry are going to win the game, Kerry will have had their fill of it by the time they have gotten beaten. That's my honest belief. Uh, I think you could possibly see an upset. Okay, yeah, we'll watch out for that, lads. It's been absolutely great talking to Finn and Cahill and Owen Carroll. Thanks very much for taking the time. You're welcome. No problem, Owen Kieran. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Well, that's the question. That's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Second Captain's Football. Available on irishtimes.com, Second Captains, and iTunes from 6 p.m. tonight. 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 Lads, somewhat confident of a surprise there. Yeah, more than somewhat. I'm a little um, disappointed, though, I must say. Not with the piece. Not that the two yeah. guys were great. I, I think we got an insight into Cavan football and 97 and what might happen this weekend. But those accents were just so smooth. Yeah. Ronan, especially. I could sit here and listen to Ronan for another hour. Like a pair of uh, Cavan P- Peter Eustonoffs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, you're, you're looking for a little bit of local flavour here. And it turns out the two of them are... Raconteurs of the first order. Ken, your first ever second captain's football later on today will be available through all the usual means. What's going to be on there? Well, Richie's going to be in. Uh, we're going to be talking about a few uh, things. We're going to talk to Philippe Claire. We're going to talk a little bit about Liverpool's shuffling around with their players. Uh, Gareth Bale, David Moyes, Cesc Fabregas, Neymar. A lot of different things. A lot of, na- a lot of big names are going to be talked about. All right, that's coming up a little bit later on. Right now, before we wrap up tonight, you want to spend a few minutes talking to a player on one of the teams who exited the football championship at the weekend. It was Galway who put up a big fight against Cork but couldn't quite pull it off despite a brilliant goal by Michael Meehan who joins us now. Michael, are you happy with that sort of analysis? A lot of people are saying this, that you guys went down fighting. Is that all right or is it a small bit patronising? A little bit, but at the same time, we, we have to be maybe realistic as well. And, and what we've done, you know, since the mauling from Mayo and how, we, you know, we, we've, we've, we've worked extremely hard since then and just managed to, to get things going. And I would never look tactic in a couple of the earlier uh, qualifier games with Tipperary and Wexford, or Watford, excuse me. But, um, you know, to, to, to get a good performance against Armagh and to get a, a good performance against Cork for 60, maybe 65 minutes, well, we have to be take some, I suppose, solace from that um, as well, and it does. It, it leaves us in a better position for next year um, compared to where we were, let's say, last May or even this time last year after we've gone out to Antrim. Yeah, or if you had gone out in the first qualifier this time around, because the yeah the Mayo defeat just looked. I could only imagine how demoralising it must have been. It was almost a surreal game. How how easy that whole day was for Mayo. It was, and. Yeah, it, it 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 completely, you know, uh, left us dumbstruck and you know, uh, embarrassed. Everything really uh, after that. But you know, it, maybe it was a, a watershed moment, and in, in some ways for us as a team and as as a group. You know, we, we have a young group at the minute, um, you know, lacking experience, I suppose. And what has happened since, I would hope and expect that it would it would lend to maybe. Um, us being better prepared, you know, to to take on Mayo next year in Connacht, in Connacht Championship, maybe. Uh, um, what changed, Michael, between sort of the Mayo game and the start of the qualifiers? Well, there was, was a kind of a, a week there where we went back with our club, and maybe that was a good thing away to play the first round of the club championship. We come back in to with Galway, let's say the Tuesday week after Mayo, you know, and it was just we kind of had to have a, a talk to ourselves and. I suppose we realised that some of the stuff we were doing in training probably wasn't, uh, we weren't doing it at the right level or doing it in the right way. And, you know, Mayo exposed that and highlighted that, you know, hugely. And we had to go back and look at how, you know, what we were doing in terms of the intensity of, of, of the work we were doing. And 
you know, maybe just being a bit more, you know, we were maybe somewhat naive against Mayo in terms of how we set up and we had to look at maybe, you know, adopting our, our, our game plan slightly. And when we did that, uh, you know, we worked hard on those couple of things for, for, the, for, the, for the weeks after Mayo. And it, it, it's what has brought us on to, to, to where we got to it on Saturday in Crow Park, I think. The intensity of training is interesting, Michael, because assume that up to the Mayo game, you probably thought that what you were doing was the right thing. I, I, can, I can only imagine that the players were, were trying their hardest and you probably thought you were going along nicely, but sometimes it just takes a big defeat to realise that you're not. You're dead right on, and and we did. You know, we 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 were going into the Mayo game, and and at the time we were feeling good, and we we felt that we had a good chance to have a rattle at them. But you know what happened? I suppose we we were, I know maybe somewhat naive as to what 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 we were going to expect from Mayo, and you know we we'd maybe forgotten that they got to an All Ireland final, an All Ireland semi final the year before that, and you know they're a good team and they're they're a seasoned team, and I suppose if 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 we wanted if we want to go. To, somewhere towards that level um, you know they were a benchmark for us and, and, and the, the, the difference between the standards on the 19th of May was frightening now we didn't do ourselves any favours and we didn't play well either but we, we then I think we quickly realised that while what we were doing in training we were putting in an effort um, it wasn't maybe in the right areas and you know we just had to focus on some, some other things uh, you know tackling etc um, you know maybe being more, a bit more defensive minded Um and you know we 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 went there, and you know we 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 kind of learned what we were trying to do. So, you know, building from building into next year, you you'd, you'd expect that. Or you know, I'm looking forward to it to, to to see how we can carry on in, in what we've done in the last you know maybe two and a half months. Yeah, and at least you get to walk away with a contender for goal of the championship. Murph, if people haven't seen this goal yet, it's incredible stuff. Yeah, well, it's, it it's quite similar, I suppose, to sort of what you'd expect from David Louise or someone like that, where Mike got a free about 14 yards out and bet about... I'd say, I'd say, there's probably 10 or 11 Corkmen <laughs> on the on the line, was there? Yeah, I think I saw Richard Dunn doing it once for Man City. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I was a freak, you know. We, I knew the game was up. Um, it was the last kick of the game, four points down, so I just... Said we'd have a crack at it anyway, and Sean Armstrong was beside me, giving me good advice too. So tell me where to put it. So put the I, head down and bury it. Basically, yeah, was the it's advice. Just a, was it? It's a once-off now, but it was it was nice to see it flying in. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember Paul Flynn scoring a goal for the Waterford Hurlers with the bit, little bit of top spin. I don't know if it was totally dissimilar, but listen, Michael, what about the the way you're managing yourself? I know we end up talking to you about yeah. this anytime we have you on, but you, you've, you're a player who's managing injuries through their career. How you, how did you get on this summer? Um. Very okay. It kind of came in, in in two parts for me. Let's say um, for the last you know six or seven weeks, it's been I've been able to manage it quite well and been able to play a lot of football as well. You know with the with the qualifier games. But you know those periods immediately after you know, when when the lads were training hard, uh, I was uh, just for one thing and another with my ankle. I was sitting out and watching them doing the hard training more than been doing more of it myself. So it was diff- difficult at times. But you know. I know what I can can get by on, or I know how much I have to do, or when I have to kind of pull the handbrake in in training. So I have a good feel for it, but um, and it left me feeling quite sharp. Maybe not, I'm definitely not 100, percent you know, physically fit the way I'd like to be. But in terms of being sharp and you know happy with my form, I was able to get to that position this year. So you know, I'm I'm I was I'm happy enough with the way the year has gone, and I'll go back to my surgeon again now in a few weeks, and he's talking about maybe going in for a little look with a scope. He might be able to improve it a little bit again. So, you know, I continuously, I continue to look at options like that just to maybe 
help it along another little bit or maybe just if it has to stay the way it is and I can do what I did this year, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that again, I suppose. All right, Slasley, you, you've seen Cork up close, you've seen Mayo up close, a couple of the contenders for the All-Ireland. Who do you think, uh, is it going to be one of those two or another side? Yeah, I I, I think it could be. I, I, think, I think Mayo are strong. Like the, the, the quarterfinals are always interesting and I'd say Mayo are probably happy to get Donegal at this stage, you know, rather than in the next round or in, a, in the third Sunday in September. And... Cork and Dublin is a big game now. I, I, I suppose maybe just from from, I, I fancy Dublin to beat Cork unless they improve uh, on on what they uh, they showed last Saturday. And no, I still I still think maybe Kerry will have a big say in this. Yeah, this one. Yes, um, <laughs> you can't name every team left in there, Michael. But yeah. so you want me? I can't. I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 hardly able to pick a winner in the Goy races, so I don't know how I'm going to pick a winner out of eight. But I think. I think, uh, let me see, if I go for someone, we'll go with, uh, I'm going to go with Kerry. Kerry to win the All-Ireland. All right, listen. Yeah, so they'll definitely get beaten on Saturday now. <laughs> Michael, great stuff. Thanks so much for talking. Well, uh, Morris, thanks for that. <laughs> Quite a lot of consideration put into yeah. a prediction there by Michael Meehan. I, I, like, I like a guy who, when you ask him a question, he, he really thinks about it, you know? Uh, and I, I, maybe we bullied him a little bit into, into predicting uh, Kerry All-Ireland Good victory, to see him banging that goal the weekend because we mentioned the injury there. I know we didn't talk about the details of exactly what the injury is, but yeah. it's been hampering him for a couple of years. Yeah, and it's, it, to be honest, it's, it's, not, uh, it's a little more serious than your average uh, ankle injury because basically he's been told that he can't really train in it, but he's also been told that playing on it doesn't damage it massively. So he's playing through the pain barrier and has continued to play through the pain barrier all year. Um, safe in the knowledge that the injury isn't deteriorating, but at the same time trying to manage it as best he can. So uh, it's, it takes a lot of bravery to do that, I think. And on a per, on, from his point of view, from a personal point of view, uh, I think it's it's great that the the season has ended on on somewhat of a of an upward curve, so that next year he can face into all of that work throughout the winter and into the spring, and say right maybe there's something at the end of it all for me. Don't forget to listen into Second Captain's Football later today. We'll have two more shows for you throughout the week. Delighted to be bringing you four shows a week now here at the Irish Times, and just also to mention that we are recording another live show. I know a lot of people missed out on going to the show last Thursday and we were delighted with the response to that. This show is going to be on next week in RTE Studios. You get all the details on Twitter at Second Captains. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains and secondcaptains.tumblr.com. So uh, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Thanks, man. Thanks, Kira. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.